This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. He'll sing to me again, right? He'll sing to you again, boo. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season four, episode 18 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where the wild things are. As well as Gilmore Girls, tick, 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 boom. So I think these this is going to be a hard one, boo. Yeah, these are pretty comparable. Yeah, these are pretty evenly matched. A lot of people love both of these episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Well, <laughs> I vote for Charmed. Uh, let's move on. There's stuff to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Quick thing from last week. We're recording this before I've gotten any feedback on this subject, but possibly someone will send a letter. A letter? I don't know. We've never received a letter. That's true. Why not, guys? We got a book. We did get a book. So that's sort of a letter. Have you talked about that? No. I don't remember. You know, we mentioned it on the, the live stream. Yeah. Disney sent me a book. We'll talk about that later on. We're not going to talk about it right now. Yeah. Just something fun for later for you yeah. to think about. No, I'm talking about Ski-Doos versus Sea-Doos. I assumed that a ski-doo was a jet ski. Did you not also? Yeah, I guess. I just, I haven't been on either of them ever. Neither have I. When we brought this up last week, I think this is the first time you and I have ever said the word ski-doo to each other. And we both assumed it was a jet ski. Yeah, unless we were playing like an improv game or something. I guess I don't know that it's not a jet ski, but when you Google ski-doo, it's got little like ski front legs. They look like snow skis and that wouldn't work on the water, right? I don't know. Where if you Google sea do, it's like like a jet ski, like a boat front. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. One is like a snowmobile and one is for the water. I refuse to do any more research on this. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the pictures, I was like, oh, that's a snow thing. But come to think of it, none of them were actually on snow or water. What are they on? Just white. Sand. <laughs> no, just the ground. <laughs> They're flying. In a white studio. Well, anyway, that's been that portion of the podcast. <laughs> that was our correction. Our cat's been really into his couch lately. Yes, the cat couch has become very popular for him. Yeah, at first I was like, okay, he's not into this. It's a lot of work for a cute little thing that sits in our living room. Um, but no, he's like almost every day spending a little time on the couch. It's nice. I'm just a little worried about him. Like, maybe you should get up and do something. Yeah, get a job. It might be the Afghan. He has an Afghan now. You think that's what really won him over? Mm-hmm. It's homey. Okay. All right, well, we've got a five-star view. Sweet. Thank you so much to Rose with a Nose 857. There's a lot of roses out there who do not have noses. I don't know who you've been hanging out with. No nose rose. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. Let's jump into these very competitive episodes. This week, we started with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stacy, please tell us all about where the wild things are. So this episode is about the gang having to defeat a trauma haunted house, which comes to life when Buffy and Riley have a lot of sex. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. So it starts with a recap reminding us of everyone's relationship status, which in Xander, Anya, Willow, and Tara's case is somewhat vague. But for Buffy and Riley, it's DTF. Yeah. So Buffy and Riley are fighting a vampire in a graveyard. Riley holds it up for Buffy to shoot with an arrow. She could have shot Riley that way, no? 
Yeah. This whole thing is silly. Like, she's struggling to load the crossbow and then not shoot Riley. But she could have just taken that out and stabbed the vampire with it. And at this point, they were only fighting the one thing. Yeah, which Buffy probably could have easily taken out herself. She's taken on multiple vampires before. Right. So I don't know why she can't just stake him with the arrow. But in the meantime, a demon comes over and, like, saves the vampire. They're friends, I guess. Yeah. Eventually, they defeat them, but it's still pretty weird that this vampire's hanging out with a demon, huh? The only thing about that is that we have seen demons work with vampires before. Yeah? Yeah, like, this episode makes a big deal about how, like, demons and vampires, uh, what, unbelievable. And, and maybe that is the case as far as a demon going out of its way to save a vampire. Okay, maybe they wouldn't do that. But, uh, Balthazar was a demon who had vampire minions. So it's not, like, completely unheard of. Well, he was kind of in need of assistance. Yeah. He needed bathing. someone to ladle that water on his belly. Yeah. But they agree this is weird. They better go tell Giles about this. But this fight has gotten them all horned up. So they're going to take care of that real quick and tell Giles in the morning. Yeah. Frozen 2 music is still happening this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a faith-only theme. I guess it's just part of the show. Riley gets up in the middle of the night, I think just to pee, but he's like all kinds of suspicious of every little sound he hears in the house. He pulls back the shower curtain, all suspenseful, seeming like he's going to find something in there, but it's just a leaky faucet. Which he heard from his bedroom, I guess. I think he got up to pee and then heard the faucet. I don't think yeah. he was like, I can't sleep with this dripping. By the way, that, that uh, theme you mentioned definitely was letting us know that there's something ghostly going on or supernatural happening at their frat house. Yes. Yeah. It's like... Camera, like, pans up the whole house yeah, through the living room into the bedroom. Xander has started a new career as an ice cream man. He's got Anya with him, and they're having a little fight because Anya doesn't want to go to the big party at Riley's house because all the people at Riley's house are demon hunters, and it makes no sense that they also host frat parties. (laughs) To be clear, she doesn't want to go because she's worried about what they might do to her. Xander's like, chill, baby. They don't even know you're an ex-demon. And Anya thinks they're breaking up because they didn't have sex last night. And this is maybe like the third time that's happened. Xander's like, no, everything's fine. Here, you want sex? Let's have sex right here, right now. In front of all these children and their parents who are silently staring at us waiting for ice cream. (laughs) Buffy and Riley stop having sex just long enough to tell Giles about the demon vampire duo. He's like, huh, that's weird. What would have brought them together? Adam, maybe? Probably not going to deal with that this episode, though. It seems like maybe that's going somewhere. but I guess. It's not going there really much anywhere, to be quite honest. Okay, well, that's really all we get on that subject this episode. They mention the big party to Giles. They even invite him. He's like, no, no, no. I have boring adult plans at the espresso pump. That's maybe the first time they've named this place. Yeah. Like the coffee shop downtown. Mm Mm-hmm. This whole time, Buffy and Riley are just, like, itching to get back at it. And they make some excuse to leave, which they think is casual, but it's not. Everyone knows they're sneaking off to Bone. It's like the one time Giles gets it. I know. Every other time that, like, Buffy's had sex in the show, Giles is like, but what were you doing exactly? Yeah, he's learned. Later that night, Forrest and Graham are at Lowell House, their house, Riley's house. Spike's house. (laughs) Well, it is now, I guess. We'll get there. And they're feeling kind of chilly. They walk past Riley's room where they hear Buffy and Riley still going at it. Them going at it, by the way, is them intensely making out under the sheets, kind of rolling side to side. It's pretty consistent throughout the episode. You know, sex. The only way I'll have sex is if it's me and you, 100% under the sheets. Side to side. Side to side. (laughs) (laughs) That side to side motion is really important. Lots of kissing, but keep them sheets on. Yeah. 
And don't send us letters about how it's on TV so they got to have sheets. We know. Yeah. One of the other guys is building a fire downstairs, trying to keep warm, and somehow when Riley puts that condom on and they really get going, this causes the fire to leap out of the fireplace and starts this rando dude on fire. Forrest wraps a flag around him and saves him. It's the night of the party! Buffy and Riley are just eye-fucking each other across the room. Xander's there alone, telling his friends about the ice cream truck incident and how things aren't going so great with Anya. Anya has decided to go to the bronze by herself, and as she's approaching, Spike leaps out to scare her. I guess this is a little trick he does, basically mugging people by scaring them with his vamp face and demanding money. But it isn't working on Anya, because she knows he can't hurt her. By the way, like every episode, they take a second to very unnaturally remind us that Spike has a chip in his brain. Yeah. Like Anya's just like, I know you have that chip in your brain, so you can't hurt me. The initiative did it. It's just like, are people just tuning in every here and there? I mean, probably. Maybe, people yeah. miss some and they're like, wait, isn't Spike evil? Yeah, I guess that's fair. It was a different time where you didn't just like... Binge. Yeah. So those two hang out with the bronze together. Anya's sad she can't hurt Xander with her old demon powers, and Spike's sad he can't kill anyone anymore. It's kind of nice. They're obviously talking about doing terrible things, but I don't know. It's a funny scene, and even though it's meant to be comedic, they are experiencing these emotions for real. Yeah. It's, I don't know. They're bonding over how sad they are, but they're both like... That they can't hurt people. Yeah. But they both do feel sad about those things. Mm -hmm. You can't fault them for being who they are. You're right. I can't fault him for being a demon or... You can fault her for being, she chose to be a demon. That's true. This is where things start to get weird. Back at the party, this real douche of a guy is trying to impress this woman with the way the French language tastes. You don't recognize this guy? Should I? Mm-hmm. Is he from Buffy? Mm-hmm. Where have I seen him? In a bad place. A bad place? A beer bad place. Is it one of those guys? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it's a guy named Roy. He's from the Beer Bad episode. That's his character's name? Mm hmm It did cross my mind. I was like, this seems like that guy. Like, this is definitely his M.O. Yeah, and we were also spending a bunch of time on a guy who we didn't know. Like, right. Even though he's going to reveal something supernatural. Well, when he casually places his hand on the wall, he just casually orgasms a little. Just a little. You know, regular party stuff. Yeah. Who hasn't done that at a party? News quickly spreads of the orgasm wall. People are lining up to try it. Men, women, everyone just lining up to come together. <laughs> it is, it's weird to be like, hey, uh, we want to watch you come. Touch this wall. <laughs> We're all going to watch. Uh, thanks? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Why this wall does this is never super explained, actually. I mean, yeah, I guess it's just rando pair. I mean, it, there's a connection to sex, but yeah. it's sort of like a... I guess th this wall's where some of that energy is. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to wonder if they were experiencing what Buffy and Riley were experiencing. But you had a hard time even wondering? Yeah, I had a hard time, man. <laughs> I was trying to wonder, and it just like... <laughs> oh, man, I cannot wonder right now. <laughs> I cannot focus enough to wonder. <laughs> Xander has begun flirting with a woman named Julie. She's like, you're so funny. Who are you here with? And he's like, well, right now I seem to be here with you. I hated this. Xander and Anya had a fight, but they're not broken up. They're not even at a break right now. Anya's just like, we're maybe breaking up. He's talking to this girl. He's being flirty with her. Fine. You can be flirty with somebody while you're still in a relationship, and it's fine. I'm not advocating that you should do that, but I'm saying that it's not necessarily like cheating if you're just a little flirty with someone at a party. But he straight up says to her when she's like, who are you here with? And he says, it looks like I'm here with you. 
that's not okay. Yeah. Because that's like saying, no, I am interested in you. I'm putting out signals. I'm not just having a fun time joking around with you. And I feel like that is not okay if he's still with Anya. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to get even worse. Yeah. Buckle up. Buckle up, Betty. And everyone else who listens. (laughs) Buffy and Riley, being across from the room from each other, doesn't last long. They need to go upstairs and take care of some things. They always make a dumb excuse, too. They're always like, oh, Riley, can you help me with the paper grading thing? Yeah, it's kind of like everyone knows what you're doing. Just own it. You could also just be like, hey, can I talk to you upstairs for a second? That's not like someone's going to be like, whoa, what are you doing upstairs? It, it would make sense what they're doing if they weren't openly a couple. Right, or like their parents were there and they don't want it to be super obvious. But Right. Over on the stairs, Tara is telling Willow that she's a horse girl and... <laughs> Right. And like Rory, Willow is apparently afraid of horses due to a childhood pony incident. Mm-hmm. And then Willow kind of makes a move on Tara. She, like, grabs her knee a little bit. This is the most intimate that they've been, besides that sexy spell. This is the most intimate we've seen. Yes, yes. We don't know what they've done behind closed. Because horse girls will do some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but Tara does not like this. She immediately backs away and says, don't touch me. That's disgusting. She starts, like, freaking out. Yeah. And Willow's like, whoa, whoa, chill. I just listened to your whole horse story. I thought I could get a little knee. (laughs) Tara feels bad and excuses herself to the bathroom. It's a little interesting here because for a second you wonder if it isn't like a homophobic thing or something. Like Tara's like, whoa, I'm not into being with a girl or something. I think the show maybe did want you to wonder that, but I don't know. Tara's been sending out pretty hard signals. that. Oh, for sure. But this is the first like physical contact we've seen of them that's like intimate and then she reacted super negatively right so there's a moment where like was that a supernatural thing or like does she have some weird trauma or is she not gay like what is that i think if this had been the first weird thing that happened at the party i would have maybe suspected it more but i don't know tara's been sending out some signals that she's fine being cozy with willow you're absolutely right but this is the first time it's happened in public, so. But also, the signals so far in the house have all been very sexually positive. Yes, yes, yes. This so is and this the was first. the first, like, negative thing. So it was like, oh, is this the house? I assume so. Right. And this is confusing. Then Anya and Spike show up. Both Xander and Spike are like, what the fuck? Why would you bring Spike here? This house is full of initiative guys that are literally hunting him. But no one seems to notice the entire time. Like, people say he looks familiar, but no one puts it together. Even when Xander shouts that Hostel 17 is here, no one cares. And the fact that no one cares is enough to ease Spike, and he just hangs out and has a few beers. That makes no sense. It doesn't. It's honestly dumb. Just because no one heard Xander shout that doesn't mean somebody in the next room won't recognize him immediately. Yeah, like, these people, like, put a chip in your head. Who knows what they're going to do to you? Right. And you're like, oh, but I might get a free glass of beer. Like, what? He loves free beer. Yeah, it's his favorite thing. At first, it seems like Xander is shocked that Anya would bring Spike to the initiative house, and it's maybe a little that, but I think he's actually more shocked and jealous to see her hanging out with another guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, we had a little fight. That doesn't mean you get to rebound with Spike. But Xander was just flirting with a girl. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. So they rehash their same fight that they've been having all season, that they don't have anything in common besides sex, and they're not have enough of that for her needs, and I think they do break up now. They're I just mean, on a break, boo. So Xander goes off to a different room where a group is playing Spin the Bottle. Xander thinks this is dumb at first. So did we, because this feels like a high school party thing. But there is a reason for this. Probably. 
The show doesn't super say, but kind of. But then he notices the girl he was flirting with, Julie, is in the circle. She convinces him to join, and they end up having a kiss. He, like, pecks her on the cheek all awkwardly. I don't know why he wouldn't just do it. Maybe because of Anya? Yeah, I guess he doesn't want to actually cheat on Anya. This is more just like, a, hey, Anya, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Right. Then I don't even know why he sat down. Yeah, I don't know. But then Julie just starts going to town on Xander's face, which she immediately regrets. And not because Xander Xander. She seems to have some kind of inner turmoil going on. So she runs away, locks herself in a closet, and starts cutting off all her hair. You know, regular party stuff. Oh, college. <laughs> Willow goes to find Tara in the bathroom. Same bathroom Riley was suspicious of earlier, but instead she finds a boy drowning in the tub who vanishes when she tries to save him, but then he, like, appears behind her. Regular party stuff. Oh, college. Willow and Xander check in, agree things are very weird. Tara's back. She says she's fine, but senses something is weird with the house. Yeah, no shit, Tara. (laughs) She's got, like, an extra sense. Most horse girls do. The spin the bottle bottle spins out of control and shatters glass at everyone. Meanwhile, Buffy and Riley still going strong. Just can't seem to stop rolling side to side. Willow, Xander, and Tara try knocking on their door, but they're not stopping. And then viney branches come out from under the door, and we get this shot of Buffy and Riley from above their bed, and it's sinking deeper and deeper into a hole. It's like they were sinking into the sunken place from Get Out. Mm-mm. Just sort of like a void. And it's like they can hear their friends knocking, but kind of can't stop and don't really care. Then there's a quick earthquake in the house. Everyone's trying to escape. The chair Spike is sitting in suddenly straps him down. He manages to break free because he's strong. And a ghost girl runs straight through Anya. Xander helps a now bald Julie to safety. He makes a joke about her going off Felicity with her hair, which was funny. <laughs> Another popular WB show airing around the same time. She cut her hair between seasons. Yes. Short haircut. I think she had like red curly hair, kind of like this girl too. Yeah. Brown curly hair? I don't know. Forrest ushers a suddenly super Christian Graham down to the initiative, (laughs) muttering Bible passages. Can we talk about this for a second? Sure. Okay, so Forrest is like the only sensible one in this episode as far as the initiative folks go, right? Yeah. Except for this part, right? In a previous episode, Hush, they try to take the elevator down to the basement, right? Uh Uh, They almost die because they can't speak. They get to the bottom and Professor Walsh points to a big sign that says, in case of emergency, use the stairs. So now, in a huge emergency where one of them is speaking Bible verses instead of passcodes, and there's a frickin' earthquake happening. Yeah, you probably shouldn't use an elevator. He's like, you know what I do during earthquakes? I take the elevator. (laughs) It's like, you wouldn't do that in a non-supernatural earthquake. (laughs) Oh, college. (laughs) At the initiative, they're working on the situation. That's kind of all we know about the initiative in this episode. (laughs) That's their MO. Like, we're working on it. They're in, like, a room we've never seen, just, like, a random set they threw together, put some lab coats on some cameramen, just, like, I don't know, be doing something. We're doing, uh, science. They always have, like, a big map of the world, too, and it's like, you can't even figure out Sunnydale. I don't know that you need a map of the world. <laughs> Snack table Greg, can you say a line? <laughs> what do you want me to say? Say, uh, we don't know yet, we're working on it. <laughs> okay, put the snack down, Greg. No. <laughs> this is the scientist eats. Sure. We don't have any other ideas. The gang's all outside now, but they've got to figure out how to save Buffy and Riley. Xander says, who's with me? And Spike's like, I am. And then quickly talks himself out of it. It was for a joke. It was weird. Yeah, I think this is supposed to be like a big funny moment. But I was like, no, why would Spike even say he'd help Buffy at all? Right. Because he immediately is just like, yeah, I don't like any of you. Why would I do that? But like, then why did you agree? Maybe he's drunk? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was a dumb joke. I'm sure some people loved it, but I, I did not. Xander tries to go back in the house, but it just, like, ejects him out onto the sidewalk. So they decide they got to go to Giles, who, as he said, is at the espresso pump doing an open mic? Not stand-up. He's singing. Yeah. Beautifully and emotionally covering behind blue eyes. With an earring. Yeah, he's got an earring. They're all in shock. Xander's weirded out. He says this is scarier to him than the haunted house. I love it. I thought this was a funny scene. As much as this episode isn't good, I thought this scene was very funny. Yeah, the scene was all worth it. Uh, Allison Hannigan's like mouth open was super funny. Yeah, and he's singing so nice. Yeah, I kept finding myself wanting to look the scene up on YouTube or like maybe find more clips of him singing, but I'm like, it can't. There'll be spoilies. Yeah, this is not the only time he sings. Yeah, he'll sing to me again, right? He'll sing to you again, boo. I'm starting to understand all you Gilesophiles. Is that what they're called? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They might be called Anthony Headheads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one who likes it. All the ladies are into it. Willow even says, now I remember why I used to have a crush on him. This is new information, right? Well, is it? Uh, so in Faith, Hope, and Trick in season three, okay, Faith makes a reference to like Giles being hot. And Buffy's like, raise your hand if you also feel ew. And Willow does not raise her hand. And also in her locker is a picture of Giles. That's weird. It is weird. But, I mean, it's not crazy. Is that something you clocked or something the internet's caught? I did not clock that. I've just read about it. Right. Okay. I mean, it's subtle. It's kind of fun that that was like a subtle thing they had going. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that she would have a crush on him. I, I just didn't know it had been expressed at all. And it hasn't really. It's very subtle. I mean, Willow's sexuality is interesting. I guess that's all I can say right now. Cool. Giles has noticed them all at this point, by the way, but he keeps going. Man, I'm excited for the musical episode. Can we just skip to that one? Yeah. Really? No. Okay. Just wait until Adam sings. (laughs) Giles and them all go to what I'm guessing is the campus library. They're gathered around a table with books. They tell him all about the weird stuff at the party. Giles accidentally makes an erection double entendre. And then they discover that back in the 50s, Lowell House was a home for delinquent teens. So they go see the woman who used to run the home, who's also pretty Christian, and they find out that she was a big fan of punishing the children for doing anything she deemed impure. Impure things like the girls doing their hair. Oh my God. So she'd chop off their hair to remove the temptation, hence Julie. She'd baptize, a.k.a. temporarily drown the ones with the most impure thoughts and actions in the bathtub, hence the bathtub apparition. And she grew plants? I mean, we don't ever get an explanation for the vines. The vines, we don't know why there's vines. Maybe she kept saying stuff was divine, and the kids were like, vines? Right. And she said, go orgasm in a wall. (laughs) We did talk about this a bit, and our only explanation is that, like, maybe the kids would, like, because she says, like, you know, the kids didn't think I knew what they were doing, but I knew. Like, maybe they would sneak into the wall to fuck? I don't know. They were pretty young, though. Yeah, you could fit in a wall. Maybe they would hide to masturbate? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So Giles concludes that what this woman did has brought a cluster of poltergeist born out of intense adolescent emotion and sexual energy. And because those things were all pent up back when this was a children's home, now somehow Buffy and Riley's constant sex has set these poltergeists free and they're continuing to draw energy from the sex and that eventually Buffy and Riley will die. Yeah, I assume it's from they'll just have sex until they die, like of exhaustion. Okay, and we do cut back to Buffy and Riley having sex, and their, their like, lips are, like, kind of, like, 
a little whiter. They look paler. And like it seems like Riley and Buffy both kind of want to stop because they're tired, but they can't. Whenever they do stop, Buffy says, no, never stop touching me. Are they doing it because of the curse or just because they want to and just like don't even realize what it's... Well, they talk later about how they just don't have control over their bodies. Right. So I, I think it does feel good, but they also like can't stop. Yeah, like something is causing them to keep going. Yeah. Even though they started it, like somehow the the spirits have taken over them. Yeah, that's what we're led to believe. Okay. This doesn't make it... Let's take a couple steps back and talk about how Giles makes it clear that this is not ghosts. It's not that the place is haunted. This is like sexual trauma that is somehow like manifested into like a... Ghost. Ghost? (laughs) But it's not like the spirit of someone who's dead. Right. This is just like trauma that has uh, incarnated, Is that a thing that exists in other stories? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. This is the first I've heard of it. And they they just really jump to all these conclusions and run with it. But that's kind of a lot of episodes. Also, they solve all of this in like two hours. They go to Giles. They go to the library. They go find this woman. They extract everything from her. They did this in like, this is like the fastest mystery solve I think they've had on the show. Perhaps. Well, actually, maybe fear itself. Yeah. Haunted house stuff is easy. It's funny because Xander even makes a reference to like, is every frat house haunted? Yeah. So Tara, Willow, and Giles are going to do a little seance to summon the spirits out of the house so that Xander and Anya can go in and rescue Buffy and Riley. Giles keeps his earring in the whole time, by the way. But it works. The earring. The children are summoned, all standing creepily behind them in a circle. Somehow this automatically opens the door to the house for Anya and Xander. They're just standing outside, and then the door opens as soon as the children leave. I don't really know how that works. Yeah, I mean, it's a small nitpick, but it doesn't make sense. It's not like the ghosts are, like, holding it shut. It just swings inward for no reason. Right. So they go in. The vines have grown all down the stairs now. Xander starts hacking his way through. The spell people are pleading with the ghosts to just, like, chill for a sec so they can rescue their friends. Xander and Anya make it to the bedroom door, but when they try to open it, the ghosts don't like it. So they go back to the house. Anya gets thrown downstairs. Xander gets dragged into the tub. Anya's got to fight her way back up through the vines. One of them stabs her just through the hand. Which, by the way, should be an injury that will bother her for the rest of her life. We don't know that it doesn't. I mean... I mean, I do. Right. (laughs) I don't know. It's a huge vine that just, like, goes through her entire palm. Like, that would maim you for life. Like, you might be fine, but you're going to have, like, a huge scar there and need to do physical therapy. But she's like, MBD, gotta go save my man. Yeah. She pulls him out of the tub. The vines really have it out for them, though. They really don't like a cock block. But they manage to get to the door and kind of just push it real hard and it opens. Well, I was thinking about this. I will say that I feel like the poltergeist might have only a limited amount of energy. Because I was wondering, like, the ghosts can just throw them around forever. Right. But at some point I was like, no, maybe they only have X amount of energy because Buffy and Riley are building a finite amount of energy. So, like, yeah, they can hold Xander down, but, like, at some point they won't be able to do that because they're expending the energy they have. It would have been cool if, like, somehow Xander and Anya's relationship combated the that type of relationship energy. Yeah. I don't know how that really makes the sense. The no-sex relationship. <laughs> but they have a lot of sex. I know. So it doesn't really work. So they open the door, and Buffy and Riley are just kind of laying there, and they're all like, <laughs> don't you knock? And they just leave. <laughs> they're just like, all right. The next day, they're explaining to Buffy and Riley what happened, how creepy it was. Of course, they're talking about Giles singing. <laughs> it was nice, Buffy. Yeah. You should have been nice. there. She was in the earring. Xander and Anya have repaired their relationship off screen. Xander comfortably calls her his girlfriend. 
And Buffy goes on to say that she had no control over herself, that she was like a zombie. And Willow's like, wow, it must have been awful. And Buffy and Riley are like, yeah, it was just so bad. Whoa, terrible. Mm. That's it. All I have written down for questions is vines, but we talked about that a little. Yeah, we don't know the connection to, it's almost like they had the episode title and they're like, yeah, vines. Yeah. Where the Wild Things Are, I think is titled because it's a children's book about a boy who's being like bad or disobedient or wild. And that's sort of what the kids were doing. He like goes into like a dreamland, right? Yeah, and that's connected to the vines because it's like in a forest stuff, but like this plot had nothing to do with vines. Yeah, the vines don't make any sense. So it's just sort of like, whatever, okay. If it was all dicks. <laughs> pubes and dicks. <laughs> that was Joss's first They really first wanted pitch. to get pubes, <laughs> but ugh, they had to keep it PG. All right, vines. We already showed condoms. We can't show pubes. Okay, the vines were pubes. I feel better about that. Okay. It was symbolic because they could show real pubes. On the remaster, they've made them pubes. So, Brian, was this a good one? It's one of the best. No, it was a bad episode. You say a lot of people hate this episode. You said you didn't necessarily remember hating it. I don't know how I felt about it the first time I watched it. I think I liked that for a slight change of pace, this was like a Xander-centric episode where he was trying to be the hero. Um, we get like one of those a season and he really was like going out of his way to save Buffy. So I think I appreciated that maybe the first time I watched it. That was fun that Xander and Anya got to save the day. Yeah. Cause he was like very much like, I'm the one that's got to save Buffy when other people didn't want to go in. Like Anya didn't care. He's like, well, I'm going in. Mm-hmm. But also like the plot doesn't make any sense. And it's sort of like what emotions can make ghosts now. And like definitely more sex has happened in this frat. Like I don't think sex hasn't happened before here. It doesn't make sense that it's even a frat. No, none of it. That's, the initiative doesn't make sense. That's problem number one. Like, why are these army boys having a frat party? Are they all posing as students? Do and they like, need to? Can't they just be army boys? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's just so many contradictions. Like, Giles says to Buffy and Riley, a party's a good idea, like, right now. And they're like, yeah, I think it is. We need to blow off steam. And then Giles is like, well, I'm going to an open mic. <laughs> like, well, do some research or something, dude. Well, I think he meant, like, the initiative people are having a party. Right. They should be dealing with Adam because he's a problem they caused. I guess so. Which is 100% accurate. And, like, Riley's the one that organized the party, it sounds like. Well, it looks like those scientists are doing something. Yeah, the snack Greg is. <laughs> okay, that's true. No, but- I, I think Giles was like, no, what the initiative needs to take care of their shit. It's not Giles' yeah, shit. Yeah, that's fair. Giles needs something. Let him have his open mic, baby. <laughs> You're being a real Xander about this. Yeah. I just feel like there's just so many plot holes. And it is a sexy episode, but not as sexy as like when Faith was in Buffy's body. Yeah, yeah. It's more like off-screen sexy or under-the-sheet sexy. It's so clearly, too. It was just like 10 minutes of them being like, okay, Mark and Sarah, you just got to roll around in this bed. We'll just splice together whatever you do. It's going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) It just didn't. Buffy, you're going to be on top because, Mark, you're fucking huge. You'll crush Sarah. I just kept thinking how uncomfortable it probably was to shoot that because there was a lot of them. To be fair, Sarah Michelle Gellar's done plenty of sexy scenes. I'm sure she's familiar with how to do it. Yeah. Interesting note, one of the reasons that this was written this way is because Buffy was not around to film this episode Mm. because she was filming something else. doesn't matter what it was. How? What is there? That's a spoiler. An episode of Angel? What? Okay. What's, huh? I know she's going to be in some Angels coming up. Yes, she was filming an episode of Angel. I mean, she still was in this one, but yeah, they didn't use her for a lot of it. Yeah. But what would have been nice, like you said, is if Xander, since this was sort of a Xander-centric episode, if his relationship and Anya did have something to do with conquering this 
problem. Yeah, or if them like working out their issues somehow solved the problem. But what we had was Anya being like, I don't know if you love me enough, Xander. And him being like, no, no, I promise I do. But then her going through trials and tribulations to save him. And then that fixes their relationship. But really, it should be the reverse. Yeah. He should be taking injury to save her to prove that he cares about her. But instead, what we have is him sacrificing everything he can to save Buffy again. Right, yeah. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's what he should have done. But, like, from a storytelling point of view, it should have been the other way. You're right. So it's just bad writing? I don't know. It wasn't that bad. I like it way more than, like, that one where, like, a robot tries to have sex with Willow or when those guys try to make Cordelia into a sex doll. (laughs) Like, the show was just more developed at this point. So I feel like even a bad episode is going to be better than some of those early ones that had terrible plots. Yeah. But... It's just, yeah, it's kind of a dud amongst some better episodes this season. Why do people hate it? I, I don't know. I I just know that they do. I think it's better than Beer Bad. Yeah? Yeah, just because Beer Bad was like, okay, we get what's happening. They're cavemen. Yeah. Now we're going to watch them be cavemen for like 15 minutes. Right. That episode had some good stuff too, like Willow's conversation with Parker. Mm-hmm. But this episode, it was like, oh, there's a lot of different things happening. What's happening? Yeah. We're figuring this out. Even though it was very random and then didn't really end up making sense. As I was watching it, I didn't hate it as much. I also feel like, real quick, so they set up that, like, this trauma has come to life. But, like, Sunnydale has so much trauma everywhere. So, so much trauma. Like, torture victims, you know, people being mutilated. Then this would be a common occurrence. Well, no one else is fucking quite like Buffy and Riley. I think you have to have the right kind of non-chemistry. To really generate that kind of heat. Yes, exactly. All right, Brian, should we move on? Yeah. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 4, Episode 18, Bite Me... The Charmed Ones fight a vampire queen who kidnaps Paige and tries to turn her against Piper and Phoebe. So yeah, I think she takes Paige and she's like, listen, I'm not, you gotta ask to be a vampire. Like, she's like, you ask me a vampire, I'll turn you into a vampire. But I don't want to be a vampire. She's like, oh yeah, 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 you do, dude. No, I'm a nice witch. Piper and Phoebe suck, dude. Yeah, yeah, you're right, that's true. Oh yeah, let's turn you into a vampire. Why why are you singing, ma'am? Why not? I can do whatever I want. I'm so old. Is that... True, vampires can do whatever they want. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean we're good at it. It just, I mean, who's going to say? Why are you laughing? Ma'am, are you still there? No, I left. (laughs) I can also throw my voice. It's the thing. I can do anything. I'm a vampire. Uh, Yeah, so she tries to turn her. But Paige has seen a bunch of Buffy. Mm -hmm. So she knows that she can just stake this lady. And that's just what she does. Right. She tries to turn her against... Why doesn't she just turn her into a vampire? Why is she being weird about it? I don't know. You know how vampires be. They're so overconfident. She's like, I bet I can turn her against her. Yeah, maybe she's kind of like the master where she's like sick of doing it the old way. Well, also, at least in the Buffy universe and I think also the Charm universe, you can't force someone to be a vampire. You can, but it's complicated because they've got to ingest your blood. Right. This vampire queen, not much of a queen. She thought she could convince her with her words, but she hasn't seen Buffy. Yeah. I mean, if Xander's seen Felicity, then Paige could have seen Buffy. Mm -hmm. And she also mentions Felicity in this episode. She makes fun of the vampire's hair. Yeah, they list Seventh Heaven references. They got... uh, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek One Tree Hill. Supernatural. She just keeps going on with all this. She's like, this is a crazy supernatural event. 
Wish Dean were here. Not Dean from Gilmore Girls. Dean, Dean from, from Supernatural. Supernatural. And the vampire queen's like, how do you get any witch stuff done if you're watching all this TV? And she's like, I don't. <laughs> I'm barely a witch. So yeah, she goes home and hugs her sisters. Vampire queen vanquished. But then, at like the end of the episode, Piper does something annoying that she's all like, Ugh. and it's kind of like a funny stinger at the end of the episode. Yeah, because you see Paige being like, wish I would have. Yeah. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. Okay, Brian. Big Gilmore Girl episode. Tell everyone about Tick, 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 Boom. Okay, so Tick, 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 Boom is sort of like a ho-hum, not much happens kind of episode. So let's just talk. I mean, I guess some egg stuff happens. I can talk about that, I guess. Um. (laughs) Whatever stuck out most to you. Okay, so the episode is about an egg hunt gone awry. Still on that, okay. That's not a small part of it. Uh, But also, it's about a big dinner party, Friday night dinner, where Jason's father comes to meet, presumably about a business deal of some sort, or a business truce of some sort, Um, and also about Rory and Dean's friendship. Yeah. So the episode opens at Luke's. We have some intro la-la-las. That's exactly how I would describe these la-la-las, like the intro to an episode la-la-las. And wouldn't you know it, at Luke's, we have the triumphant return of Taylor Dosey. And Jackson. And Jackson. He's also been gone for a while. Well, he's just not been in a bunch of episodes. He's been referenced. Right. But we haven't seen Taylor in a while. And this was addressed in the show. Kirk was just sort of running stuff while he was gone. He has been in the Caribbean. But now he is back. And he's got a real fake-looking toupee. It doesn't even match the color of his hair. Not at all. It's like black. Yeah. I, I feel like if... It were the color of his hair, and he wasn't, like, hanging out with people who know him. It might be passable. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think of him as a baldman. <laughs> I think of him as a baldwin, though, personally. <laughs> Always getting into trouble. Open his mouth when you shouldn't. <laughs> he greets Lorelai, Suki, Jackson, and their baby at Luke's, unfortunately with the phrase top of the morning, which only draws attention to his top, which is a faux top. And there's just, like, a bunch of puns and misspeaks about his head. Lorelai, like, can't concentrate on anything he's saying because she's just staring at his toupee. Luke, by the way, is not a fan of babies. Uh, He's being a real ass about it, honestly. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, he tells them he just really doesn't like the noise babies make, even though Davey is not making any noise. He's being totally silent. But he's like, well, he will make noise. He literally says they have one minute to order and five minutes to eat, and then they have to go. He's a setup. He doesn't like babies in his diner before. But it's, it's a lot. It's too much, man. I mean, honestly, I feel like you could get sued for this or something. It's just, he's being so mean to the people he knows that he likes. His comments to Taylor, though, are very funny. Oh, yeah. Even though Dosi's hair is clearly, clearly, clearly fake, he's trying to pass it off as real. And that's that's pretty funny. Dosi like, tells Luke that there's this bad odor near his establishment, and he just has to assume it's coming from Luke, so he's got to deal with that. And Luke tells him it's not, and maybe he needs to check other places, like under that thing on his head. And Dosi's like, oh, I'm uh, I'm combing it differently. And Luke's like, like, oh, really? And the comb didn't loosen the glue? <laughs> That was super funny. No one's letting Taylor get away with this. No. Suki, like, accidentally says hair at some point. Yeah. But Taylor realizes that the smell is not coming from Luke's. It's coming from all over the town. So he theorizes it must be bunnies. I'm sorry. It must be skunks. Wink, wink. Uh, What? fans. What the fuck is it? You can't make a joke that I don't get. Yeah, you can. It must be bunnies. 
So he thinks it must be skunks. And then suddenly from behind him, Kirk strangely and very, very vocally agrees with Taylor. (laughs) He's like, you're right, Taylor. Good work. You could tell immediately that something's weird. Like, I knew immediately that Kirk had caused this. Kirk's, like, support seemed far too forceful. Yeah. His first line was very funny because he hadn't said anything yet. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. He's like, here, here, Taylor. And it turns out that uh, I was right. Later at Taylor's candy shop, an old woman is buying some items and mentions that he just looks so youthful and healthy. And he says it must have been the vacation. She's like, yeah, or that fake hair. <laughs> By the way, it seems that only older people are at his candy store. She was very old, and the only other people there besides his employees are, like, two old people at a back table. Do old people love candy? Yeah, that's the thing. Hard candy. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I guess so. It's also, like, the middle of the day. Yeah. Taylor, at some point, tells an employee to change out the scoop water. It's an unsightly color, but he just, like, screams this in front of customers. Well, his customers are all hard of hearing, so... He would just never do that. (laughs) The tool we use to grab the food is disgusting. That's not his voice, but... It's not. I honestly don't have any issues with what he said, quite honestly. I just... It's the water changes color the more you use ice cream, so for him to ask to change it, it's not that weird to me. I know. Just the last restaurant I worked at, the owner was very much like, don't ever let the customers know that anything is weird or bad or wrong, or you'll be slapped. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when you worked. New York's intense. You came back purple-cheeked all the time, and I was like, I'll go talk to him. You don't. Slapping's only the beginning. He can't know anything's wrong. (laughs) A customer might hear you, and you'll be dead, Brian. Anyway, a little less crazy at Dosey's. Kirk shows up, clearly bothered about something, and maybe even feeling guilty. He tells Taylor that the smell is eggs. When Taylor was gone, he ran all the town functions, including the Easter egg hunt, where he personally hid 300 eggs. But unfortunately, not all of them were found. There are now 59 unfound, rotting eggs in the town. Gross. Kirk is pretty funny here. Uh, He says that, like, everyone had fun except the bad end boys. They're going to hell, both of them. (laughs) That was funny. I'm assuming those are the kids that also stole the fire from the fire festival thing they did? It might be. I feel like they maybe had a different name, but let's say it is. As Taylor leaves, now like super upset, Kirk says, I find your hair very believable. (laughs) (laughs) So this whole rotten egg hunt is like a whole story unto itself. I think we should like dissect that before we do any of the other stuff. So Taylor gets a bunch of people together to find the eggs. He makes a big deal about how they don't have a map of all the egg locations because somebody, Kirk, forgot to make one. Which is true, he should have one of those. Even Rory walks through later and is like, he didn't make an egg map? Yeah. As payment and thanks to the town, he's offering them a 5% discount on his prepared food section items and 20% off his day-old sushi. Mm. Why is anyone helping him? Like, he's a jackass mean man. Why does anyone help him? I don't know. I mean, I guess people probably want to get rid of the smell. Okay, I hear that. But, like, I just would be like, screw you, Taylor. It's, like, your own problem. I guess there is a flower show, whatever that is, scheduled to take place in a couple days, which may get canceled due to the smell. So, like, I guess that's a reason for some people to help get rid of the eggs because they want that flower show again, whatever that is. Maybe Jackson wants the flower festival. Yeah, I don't know. The people of Stars Hollow are all weirdos. Taylor takes questions at this meeting, and we get some fun ones like, what's with the toupee? <laughs> that was from Gypsy. Or Joe, he's the arcade guy, he just says, I'm Jewish. And then after a while, he's like, is it okay for a Jew to hunt Easter eggs? <laughs> Jackson and Gypsy are like super buddy-buddy in this. Yeah, they like they found kinship in mocking his hair. <laughs> Jackson even says like, toupee guy says what? 
And of course, Taylor's like, what? And then Kirk is like there to defend Taylor immediately. He like breaks down the joke for Taylor. Yeah, he's like, what he said was too big, I said what? Making you respond understandably. And soliciting laughter from everyone. It was pretty funny. Then Kirk does this Howard Dean parody. Kirk gets really excited trying to like rile everybody up. He says, we're not only going to find 20 eggs within the hour, but then we're going to find 25 and then 30 and then 35 and then 40 and then 45 and then 50 until we have all 59 and take back the square. I didn't remember the Howard Dean moment, but I've seen it now. We can link it for you. Yeah, for you younger listeners, it's this is referencing a moment in political history where Democratic primary frontrunner Howard Dean ruined his candidacy. He was doing very well in the polls, but then in a 2004 Iowa rally, he did this thing that Kirk did. But he was talking about all the states, not eggs. It was super weird. He went from like mild-mannered to listing every state, almost like it was a song or poem to help learn the states. And he started talking like in this weird voice, like a WWE wrestler voice. And he didn't say yee-haw. He made this like, like Scooby-Doo sound. See, I don't have a base for Howard Dean, so it didn't seem that weird to me. Maybe I should watch some old Howard Dean normal tapes. Well, he's talking like Macho Man in here. He's like, we're going to take back Iowa. We're going to take back Maine. I understand that, but I don't know how he normally speaks, so it doesn't stand out as that weird. Well, that wasn't his normal. I would have loved to have that president. We're going to take down COVID. I think we had that president. Okay. that's You know what's funny? Because Trump did do a thing in the WWE. (laughs) But, much like Howard Dean, Kirk's plans did not work out the way he had hoped. They aren't finding the eggs fast enough. Apparently, Kirk hid the eggs in some weird places, including up in a tree where the children can't reach. But those were for himself? That was for his own fun, he said? I don't know how you wouldn't remember you put some in a tree. Taylor says we're losing time, and we're also losing... And then Gypsy and Jackson both said hair, and then they like jinxing each other for a while. People keep abandoning the project, which I 100,000% understand. I wouldn't have even started this project. Kirk isn't doing well. He's like a day and a half with no sleep, and he looks like he's just sleepwalking. His eyes are all googly. He just like walks into Luke's completely out of it, asking for coffee, and Luke can tell he's just like a total mess. Taylor comes in and just starts like chewing him out for what he's done to his town and says because everyone quit looking for eggs, he's going to have to cancel the flower show, whatever that is. And Kirk's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) so dramatic. Taylor leaves canceling his order because he just can't eat right now after all of this. But Taylor specifically says, like, he's lost all these men. And then Kirk's like, I'm still here. I'm helping. And then Taylor reiterates, I have no men left. Yeah. It's just like, ouch. Yeah. And Luke sees all this. Yeah, he sees all of it. Kirk's so sad. No. At the end of the episode, it gets really late. Kirk is the only one still there, walking around like a zombie, just stumbling, muttering, eggs, 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 holding a small handheld shovel. He scares an old lady. Yeah, they both scream at each other. (laughs) He falls down, and then we get this shot of Luke from the feet, and then it pans up, and he's got a bag, a gross Ziploc bag full of the remaining 12 rotten eggs. This cinematography reminds us of something, and it's unusual for the show. We're trying to figure out if it's, like, from something. It seems like it's parodying something, right? I, I don't know what. Like, what movie is this referencing? Almost it's shot very specifically. Yeah, and, like, since they're parodying Howard Dean, I wonder if they're not parodying other stuff. But I, I couldn't find anything about it when I looked it up. So yeah. if you know. Yeah, let us know. There's 
some funny stuff in here, though. He says, like, Taylor's like a father to me. I think he is my father. <laughs> and he's like, he's not your father. And then he's like, well, then Taylor's my tailor. I wonder if he could, like, hem my pants. Yeah, it looks it was... like he's not your tailor. <laughs> it's been a while since you slept, okay? Yeah. But anyway, he gives him the eggs, and he's like, tell Taylor that you found them. So Aww. you can be the hero. That's nice. And then he walks away with a weird gait. It looks like he has a huge stick in his ass. Go watch him walk away. It looks like he's threw his back out. The eggs were in his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and now he's not used to them not being there. I couldn't remember exactly how this went down. I thought maybe Luke had like purposely hid the eggs to fuck with Kurt, but I don't think that's the case. They should have found a pregnant lady and be like, sniff them out. I, it occurs to me that someone might not have followed my logic and been like, what the hell are you talking about? That'd be me. Uh, <laughs> women have better senses of smell than men in general because somehow smell is linked to estrogen. I don't know how. And pregnant women, for some reason, have an even better sense of smell. Um, so that's where that came from. I mean, that's what I figured, but I thought it would be funnier. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Pregnant women love fucking rotten eggs. Right. They need them. Yum, 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 yum. The eggs were so gross. Yeah. They're all green and stuff. I guess I haven't rotted eggs. Like, that's probably what would happen, I guess. Yeah. So that's what happens in this episode. I feel like, I don't know. Stacey, do you think it was a good one? Yes. Yeah. I think it, I don't know. With just the egg stuff, I think Buffy might win. <laughs> I mean... But maybe we should check in on that other stuff. Is the, Oh, yeah, I do have some notes here. Okay. This egg storyline was kind of a fun background story. I thought you maybe hated it. It was fine. Kirk's a lot. Kirk's a lot. And I thought Gypsy and Jackson's jokes about the toupee were kind of dumb. I agree with you. I really liked the first one when he said any questions and Jackson's just like, what's up with the toupee? Yeah, that was funny. But then the other ones were kind of like, yeah. that's not that funny. It's not clever. The show's very clever. These jokes aren't. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. There was definitely hit and miss with the comedy. But- yeah. The hits were good. And I like the idea of them trying to fix this thing Kirk did because it kind of ties into the the world. It's sort of like when Buffy references a past episode. It's sort of like the same idea of like, oh, yeah, Kirk's been running these things. Oh, that's had an effect. Yeah, and we acknowledge that Taylor was gone. Yeah, I liked that. Um, There are some other stuff in this episode, so I guess I could talk about that. At the inn, Michelle and Dean are trying and failing to find a place for a bookshelf Lorelai and Suki ordered themselves, and specifically that they did not order through Tom, the grumpy contractor. He keeps reminding them that constantly because this bookshelf does not fit anywhere. But I don't know what it means it doesn't fit. Like, it just doesn't look good anywhere. There's tons of space. Well, I mean, I don't, there might not be a wall that it, like, works with, like, the paneling or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just seemed silly. You feel like you'd be able to throw it somewhere. Yeah, put it in a room or something. Since they can't find a place for it, Lorelai decides that she'll just give it to Rory at Yale because she's got a bunch of books there. Michelle has hurt his back and his cuticles lifting it. So Dean just like lifts the whole thing up himself, which seems very impressive when he does it. It didn't look that heavy. No, I mean, moving it around a lot might be hard. Right. Lindsay stops by. She says hi to Michelle and asks why he's standing so funny. I think it's because he hurt his back lifting the bookshelf. But he says to her, it's like, this isn't weird. This is how you stand in these pants, which was funny. But I think it's like sort of implied that Michelle thinks Lindsay's cute. Yeah. Because while Lorelai and Suki are like talking about how adorable Dean and Lindsay are together, Michelle mutters that like the deans of the world, i.e. strong, tall men who can lift bookcases and not throw out their back, always get the Lindsay's. And I was like, why do you, what? And he was like almost flirty with her when she came in? Yeah. It was weird. I understand that in the show, technically, it's been stated that Michelle is straight. But there's, like, a lot of evidence suggests he's not. I don't know that there has been a lot of evidence that he's gay other than he's into Celine Dion. But, I mean, he feels like a gay man. 
I feel like he's coded gay. And I mean, you could just be like, well, he's French and he's eccentric. But I, I just, that's how it comes across to me. Like he's written like he's supposed to be a gay character. Right. Not like that all gay characters are like that, but just that like that seems like the, what the writing suggests, even though they've made it clear that he's not. What's weirder to me is that he's maybe flirty with an 18-year-old married woman. Yes, for sure. I don't know. It just felt unnecessary. Yeah. Not like in an offensive way, but just like what? what why? Yeah, it was very like confusing. Yeah. Because she's way younger than him. Anyway, at Friday night dinner, Lorelai raises a very interesting question. Where have all the anvils gone? Nobody wants to talk about it, but I think it's a fair question. She says that they were always in old cartoons, which is true, which suggests that they were so common that kids would just know what they were by looking at them. Yeah, they would know it's heavy. Yeah, and that suggests that they were so ubiquitous that kids would see them all the time. I liked when she checked with Rory on the meaning of ubiquitous. Yeah, that was very funny. She was like, is that the right meaning? She's like, we'll see where you're going. That was the right word. Yeah. And then Richard's like, well, they must have melted them down. And Lorelai's like, yeah, but this whole idea is that anvils were designed to withstand really high heat. So That's a good point. Where are they? To be fair, though, I mean, there probably still is a melting temperature, but super high. If you know what happened to all the anvils, please let us know. Anyway, Richard announces that he and Nate Jason are going to acquire another business run by a single man named Bob. Lorelai makes a bunch of jokes about Bob having to give himself two weeks' notice or Bob having to give himself a going-away cake, and it makes both Rory and Emily laugh. I thought that was kind of significant because usually Emily doesn't laugh at Lorelai's jokes, so it was like kind of nice to see her enjoy this one. Well, you said he's a single man. You mean he's a, a lone businessman. He's not a single man. <laughs> no, he is not a single man. Yeah, sorry, yes. He's not a single man. We know that because Richard mentions that he's going to have dinner with Bob and Bob's wife, and Emily makes a point of saying she really doesn't like his wife because his wife is like a young dumb trophy wife like a Lindsay. yes <laughs> i think that's important though for later about her relationships with people's wives sure this scene's nicely framed because richard mentions that bob's very smart and then lorelei's like ask him where the anvils went yeah i like the scene a lot yeah it's a it's a good scene actually it was very funny and i i like the way the actors played off each other it was cool yeah this and the the opening scene were very good scenes Well, later, Jason, Richard, and Bob are all golfing, and Jason is real, real bad. He's a very bad golfer. I'm not, I've never golfed. I assume I would be just as bad as Jason. Oh, yeah. Bob and Richard are making fun of him when Jason's dad, Floyd, comes over. Jason is like, ah, my father, one of the many hazards on this course. I thought that was a really clever line. Mm -hmm. Jason's got good lines. He does. I actually do think he's written really well. So Floyd is coming over and he's being very nice, which we've always set up that Floyd is like super cold and and pretty mean generally. But then Floyd just starts talking to them, being friendly. And then he goes on this roundabout way of setting up like a business dinner date meeting with them. He's all like, my wife Carol really misses Emily. They got along so well. It's a shame they don't hang out. We should set up a time for them to get together. And I guess if they're having dinner, us men could tag along and maybe even Jason could come. What what the fuck is this small talk code? Is this really how businessmen talk? Maybe. Are they not allowed to have, like, missing emotions? I don't understand. All you businessmen listen to this. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that they don't, but it's not the vibe I get from the social media interaction. This just seems so fake. It's so, like, women have emotions, like, missing. We men don't. But we, <laughs> we should indulge the women with it, I guess, will be there. And we eat. That's a thing men do. Yeah, men are allowed to eat. That's not an emotion. <laughs> and they do this later, too. So it's not like a, he was being cute. It's like they do this. This is just like how they talk on the golf course, I guess. We don't golf. Maybe that's how it is. So this is a big deal that Floyd, their competitor, the one that Jason burned and they stole like a bunch of their clients from, 
is essentially offering them peace, I guess, or some sort of business deal. I really like this next scene. Yeah. So back at Emily and Richards, Emily, Richard, and Jason are like stoked for this meeting and the opportunities it might represent. Emily really wants to know how it was all phrased. She wants to know if Floyd said it was Carol's idea to meet or if she brought up Carol or the dinner first. Richard says he can't remember, but the whole song and dance they did was like very specific. I don't know how he missed any of that. This is just such a typical example of men versus women, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I relate to Emily in this. Like, how did they say it? And you'd be like, I don't know. Just, my mom was there and she said this. I don't know. No, I agree with you. But it's, it was such a, like, I don't know how Richard doesn't remember this. It was such a weird way he brought up this meeting. Right. Well, I guess her question was, did the woman want it or did the man want it? Right. I don't know that it was exactly clear from how he said it. He just made it seem like we should get our wives together. Right. Well, Emily has gone into full business wife boss mode, and she seems very excited and very in her element for this dinner. Floyd wanted to meet on Friday, so they are including Rory and Lorelai because they're already coming over Friday night dinner. I was wondering while I was watching this why they don't just cancel Friday night dinner with Rory and Lorelai. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they would understand. It's a big business deal. Yeah. And maybe they would even enjoy having a Friday free. I don't know. It seems like better business sense to not have the extra people there, but I I, I don't know. I'm not a business person. But I better would've... show sense for them to be there. Yeah. I just, I loved how Emily was just kind of like talking past them. I don't know. She was in her own little world, and so were they. Yeah, she was like, it's going to be an uneven table, but that's okay. We can make it work. Like, they just have a different language when it comes to this situation. At Yale, Dean brings Rory the bookshelf. But it doesn't fit there either, which I don't know why Lorelai thought it would. She's been there. Well, Rory kind of says, like, yeah, I think my mom was just like, Rory's got books. Yeah. That's as far as my thought process went. When she opens the door, she notices that Glenn is, like, struggling to get a keg up a single stair for a party on Friday. Oh, college. Interestingly, Rory says she isn't going to the party because she's got some papers due. So she'll be in Stars Hollow working on that stuff, and she'll have a brewski there. So it's not clear to me, is she making a joke or does she just drink now? I don't know. Because she went from like never drinking and the show making a point of that till she got drunk and now she's having a brewski? I would lean towards she's making a joke, but maybe she'd have a brewski. But also I feel like beer is not something I'm like, I'm going to have a recreational at-home beer when I just started drinking. I don't know. I think she was making a joke. She hasn't drank beer that we've seen. Right. Dean mentions that he's going to take a semester or two semesters maybe off from school so he can make some extra money working for Tom. He says that he and Lindsay need it because Lindsay really wants to buy a townhouse by the end of the year. Rory immediately and very forcefully tells Dean that she thinks that's a bad idea. He shouldn't put school on hold because he might never go back. Lots of people say they will, but then they don't. She tells him that the townhouse can wait and implies that he can do better than a construction job. This, uh, this doesn't go over great with Dean. Dean gets pissed and then just, like, storms off carrying the bookcase by himself, which I'm sure only makes Rory want him more. I mean, he's no Riley. Riley's not good with bookshelves. Remember, he had books fall right in his head. True. Riley sucks. Uh, I mean, he's great. So after the fight, Rory goes back home, and she and Lane are walking through town, smelling the rotten eggs and talking about Dean. Uh, by the way, this is trash in the back. A giant, like, garbage can, like the kind that you take to the curb, and it just says eggs only on it. And I'm like, Why? All the eggs together would fill, like, a small trash can. <laughs> also, what difference does it make if there's garbage? Exactly. I'm like, why is it just for eggs? I didn't notice that. Also, Lane's talking about music from the 70s, and Rory's like, you weren't even born. Lane was born in the late 70s. She was born in 1973. The actress? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was a funny thing the actress had to say that yeah, isn't funny. true about herself. Yeah. She's like, yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. 
Well, they're going to Dosi's to buy some food for Lane's apartment. Roy's complaining about her fight with Dean and that she's mad at Dean, but more mad at Lindsay for being so selfish and needing luxuries like a townhouse. She says, why doesn't Lindsay just get a job? What does she do all day? Then Rory turns a corner to see Lindsay, who uh, probably overheard all of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she stares at her and then just leaves. I thought she was going to run into Dean because Dean works there, but that's not what happened. No. Meanwhile, Jason is preparing dinner for him and Lorelai at his place. Is being able to cook lavish meals like a prerequisite for dating Lorelai? I'm guessing that's why she dumped Tom. Because both Jason and Medina and Luke... Are all good at cooking. I'm sorry, when did she date Tom? Who's the guy that she broke up with? That, like, off screen? Alex. Oh, Alex, sorry. She's gonna date Tom. You've seen the flirtation. Well, she can't cook, though, so. Yeah, that is true. I I feel like both of their tops are interesting in this scene. I don't know why. They just seem like they go together really well. I don't remember what she's wearing. He's wearing the sweater he wore the day he hung out in Stars Hollow. It's interesting when they reuse clothes. It's, like, realistic. Yeah. Yeah, she's wearing, like, a blue thing i don't know how cool. to describe it yeah that's how i describe clothes mm-hmm. if someone ever robbed me and the cop was like what was he wearing I'm like it was like a red thing there's also this part where she's trying to find a place for a plant and she wants to put it in this dark corner and jason explains that plants need light is lorelei really that dumb i guess about plants and cooking <laughs> yeah i guess uh anyway friday night dinner will be lorelei's first time meeting jason's parents jason says that his dad always hates every woman he's ever dated but lorelei gets the opportunity to make a good impression on his parents before they find out that she's dating jason so lorelei is pretty nervous he's also nervous because he hasn't really spoken to his father since he left the company so finally, it's Friday night dinner, and they've decided to start the evening outside on the patio. They've got, like, heaters out there and a bar, and Emily and Richard are just, like, fretting over the placement of the bar cart. Everything is out, like, super fancy. It's, like, the fanciest Friday night dinner I've seen. I liked when Jason's like, yeah, they keep moving everything, including me. I used to be over there. Yeah, that was super funny. <laughs> Richard has Floyd's and his wife's drinks memorized. He's got some, like, special gin that Floyd really likes. They are, like, prepared and ready for this. Lorelai looks fantastic. Everyone keeps mentioning it. Even Emily does, and she seems, like, confused why she looks so good. She maybe did go a little over the top if she was trying to be secretive. I don't know. She looks like she's going to, like, a cocktail party. Yeah, I guess. At Friday night dinner, people dress up, I guess. Yeah, I I mean, they generally are dressed up, but she's like, I'm going on a date dressed up. Sure, yeah, yeah. But it also was weird when Jason's mom was like, why would you dress up? Yeah, she's like, hoping to get so dressed up for us. And I was like, you don't know if she normally dresses. Yeah. Like, that's just a weird thing to say to an adult you're just meeting for the first time. Yeah, totally. There's also a really funny part where Emily is like, where's that awful light coming from? And Rory's like, I think it's the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to move the moon? (laughs) She's like, well, it'll move on its own, I guess. (laughs) Which it does, by the way, guys, if you didn't know. When Floyd shows up, Emily and Carol excuse themselves immediately. They do seem like they get along really well. They're, like, excited to scamper off and talk about some trees that she's got planted. Talk about boys. Talk about boys. They're like little girls, the way they're acting. Floyd sits down, and he's talking about how he remembers Lorelai from camp. And there's some funny dialogue about an acne-riddled kid that was at a talent show with Lorelai. They called him Craterface Cutler. I did not catch this joke the first time we watched it. Um, the Grease one? Yeah. Yeah, it's very funny and quick. Lorelai says she sang a song, and she says it was from Grease. And Jason's like, how Craterface got his pimples. Yeah. It was very quick. It was funny, though. Everything's going very well. Floyd seems to be, like, in a super good mood. They have dinner. Everything's fantastic. Rory excuses herself. She's got to leave. Lorelai stays. 
The men go into like a smoking room to have cigars and presumably talk business. That was funny too. Yeah. He's like, any of us who are predisposed to it could go have cigars. And Lorelai's like, I'll have one. He's like, what? She's like, let's fire them up. He's like, I meant the men, but (laughs) do you want a cigar? (laughs) It's this weird double talk they do where they can't actually say the things that they mean and want to do. So the women excuse themselves to the living room for some brandy. And Carol takes Emily's arm and says that she regrets all that ugly business stuff that came between them. And she doesn't want business to ever come between them again. Which maybe it sort of implies things are going to be good going forward. And Emily's like, yeah, well, that's all in the past. And then Carol says, yes. And I didn't really think that much about the way she said that the first time I watched it. But I rewatched it. And it's clear that her yes is a bit of a, well... Yeah, Carol knows what this night's about. Yes. Which is super shitty. <laughs> yeah, I do think that she wants a friendship with Emily. Yeah. I do. I think she knows the end game. I think she knows the absolute end game of how this is going to go down. Oh, perhaps. But So she knows that Emily and I can be friends, but sometimes business can make things rough. Yeah. And so Emily's like, you know, it's all in the past. I think she's like, well, it's not all quite in the past. It will be, but it's not yet. Because when shit hits the fan, before it even comes out to Emily what's happened, yeah. Carol's like, got to get my purse. Yep. So she, she knew what was going to happen before they got there. Yeah, but I, I legitimately do think Carol wants to be friends with Emily. Yeah. But she also can't be like, well, tonight's going to be rough. (laughs) Yeah, her job was to make things seem normal as well, up top. While in their man cave. (laughs) It's so dimly lit. Yeah. For men. I know. Men love the dark. They're all smoking cigars. Jason's not great at it. But while they're there, Richard tells a story about how during a cigar boom, a cigar shop owner wouldn't hold his favorite cigars for him, no matter how much he asked him, even though he had done business with him for like 20 years. So Richard went above him and found his supplier, bought all the supplier's cigars, and then kept what he wanted and sold the rest to the cigar shop owner at a markup. So he got all of his cigars essentially for free. What, what are you clapping for? Richard. Richard. Ruthless creativity, Richard. They all love this. Floyd says that being creative like that is Richard's biggest strength. Then he goes on to misuse the word fallacy. That's not important, but it bothered me. Sorry. <laughs> Saying that people think their business is robotic, but it's not. It's really about constantly changing things, and it's almost Shakespearean at times. Mm. Floyd goes on to say that sometimes their job takes courage, tenacity, and sometimes vengeance, like in Richard's story. Grammatically, that also doesn't make sense. Your job doesn't take vent, whatever. Didn't know this bothered you so much. Did. I don't like Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) Floyd says he loves his work and is very protective of it and very protective of what he has. Dot, dot, dot. Which is why he's suing Jason and Richard's company. Because Digger, as he makes a point of calling him, took several of his oldest clients, something that was his. Jason signed a non-compete clause, making some of Floyd's clients off limits, a clause which Jason and Richard insist they did not break. They didn't touch any of those clients. But Floyd says he doesn't care. Also, Jason had lunch with one of those, but insists it was just social. Right, and that's enough for Floyd to be able to start suing them, even though he knows he won't win the case because he can't prove that he was trying to breach that contract. But he will be able to bury them in legal fees, which will be a problem for Richard. Because Richard doesn't have any extra money. He used his pension as collateral for all of his business loans. He's not very liquid at the moment. Floyd excuses himself and walks into the living room where Lorelai and Emily are telling Carol about Rory's debutante reveal. Remember that? That's, that's very interesting because it occurs to me now that that's the episode we find out that Richard got fired, right? 
Uh, might be, yeah. Or is getting replaced? He's definitely struggling with all that in that episode. I don't know if it's the reveal. It's where he gets drunk and, like, yells. Yeah. Anyway, they're telling that story. Carol clearly knows immediately what's going on. Like you said, she's all like, well, I'm out of here. No, it's me, you. Yeah, it's been fun. Let's have fun when this all blows over. She doesn't say that, but. Floyd is, like, confident he's going to destroy Richard because he hired a PI and knows about Richard's pension being collateral. That's how he knows about Jason going to dinner with that guy. And also how he knows that Jason is dating Lorelai. What? No, she's not. Which he mentions to everyone in the room. Then, Lorelai, Richard, and Emily all stand silently in the living room for a long while while piano music plays. It's a delicious silence. (laughs) Juicy. Jason, like, follows his dad out and is yelling at him. We just watch these three look at each other for a while. (laughs) When Jason comes back in, Richard is like, we need to talk in the study. And then Emily and Lorelai just stare at each other for a minute. Lorelai looks like she's trying to retract her head into her body like a turtle. So uncomfortable. Emily just says, you know, you don't need to stay. You can just go. Super calm. The kind of calm that says there's a lot of not calm under the surface. Mm -hmm. Like a scary calm, you know? I thought it was interesting. She starts by asking her, you brought your own car. And Lorelai's like, yeah. Yes. Like, she corrects her her manners. Oh, interesting. I didn't notice that. I just thought it was interesting that she, like, adjusted her propriety. Is that the right word? I don't know. Just be Floyd. Use whatever word you want. (laughs) Like, (laughs) knowing she should talk to her mother in a more... Proper? Yeah, in a more proper tone in a moment like this. She shouldn't, like, fuck around with being... Disrespectful? Right. That was also, this is not important, but it bothered me when I thought about it. So (laughs) she says she can't leave because she's like blocked in. She's parked in, right? But that doesn't make sense. Because she could only be blocked in by Jason, who was there when she got there. Yeah. The Floyds have left. Yeah. The Floyds could have been blocking her in, but. They, yeah. Unless they're still sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're just soaking it in in the driveway. And Lorelai's not lying because later they show her try to unpark. Yeah. But when she tells them that she can't leave, Emily's just like, oh, and then walks away. Seems pretty cold. In the study, Richard is angry at Jason, obviously because he lied to him about dating his daughter for five months, but also angry at him for, like, not seeing this coming. Jason's like, my dad's a sociopath who's evil. We both underestimated him. But he promises he's going to make everything right. He says he'll do anything to win back Richard's trust. He'll even countersue his father. He thinks countersuing will work. Richard calms down and says, okay, you've got my trust. Go get him. That probably would work. I mean, as long as they're not lying about anything, he's suing for something that he can't really be suing for, it seems. Well, it depends how much money Floyd has. Because at the end of the day, will Floyd lose money? Yes, but can he ruin Richard's business before that happens? Uh, I see what you're saying. It's sort of like, yeah, I'll lose some money, but I get to just destroy my rival, you know? He thanks Richard a bunch, and it seems kind of touching, this scene, right? Yeah. I feel like it's saying, like, he really respects Richard. I feel like he's laying it on the table. I respect, And I believe Jason. Yeah, and Richard's like, you have a lot to be sorry for. He's like, I do. Like, he knows he kind of fucked up by lying about Lorelai. And he doesn't blame Lorelai, which is good. Right, because Lorelai's the one who wanted to keep the secret. Jason didn't. Yeah. But Jason's not throwing him under the bus. He's like, we did the wrong thing. I'm sorry. But it seems like all this trust that Jason's earned from Richard is preventing Richard from just, like, blowing up or, like, saying we're not business partners anymore. Yeah, it seems. Yeah. Jason finds Lorelai and they go back to his place to drink. It's really funny because he goes up to her car and he says, I've got the largest bottle of vodka ever known to man at my house. And Lorelai's like, okay, but what will you drink? (laughs) Yeah, I like that line a lot. Meanwhile, Rory is driving home, listening to like game show waiting music. It's super weird song on the radio. Oh, I knew the song. I can't think what it was, but it's like an oldie. Is it? 
Okay, I looked it up. It's it's called Windy by the Association. I definitely know the song. I didn't know who sang it. I've never heard of the song. I'm sorry, Association fans. It's like, everyone knows it's windy. It's like an old song. Well, while she's listening to this driving her electric car, Dean just, like, runs up to her car like a crazy person and, like, brings her into an alley to kill her? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, to apologize to her for snapping at her at Yale. I remember the Tick, Tick, Boom part of this episode so well, but yeah. I did not remember this weird alley scene. He's like, come with me to this alley. Listen, we've got to hide a body. It's so weird. I'm guessing it's just so people don't see him talking to her. I don't know. Well, he's apologizing, and she's like, no, I deserved it. It wasn't my place to say all that. I do still think it's a bad idea for you to stop going to college. I think going to college is what's best for you. But it's just that I don't want you to settle, you know, settle for Lindsay. I mean, settle. Uh, She doesn't say that, but it's clear in my head that she wants him. But yeah, there was a pregnant pause where the audience was all like, we know what you mean, Rory. Yeah. But she also tells him about Lindsay overhearing her at Dosey's, and she feels really bad, and she says she's got a big mouth. But it turns out that she didn't even know that Dean and her were talking. And she is upset and she doesn't want Dean talking to Rory anymore. Which is fair. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that he hid Rory. I I don't know why she would want them to continue talking. Yeah. There's a reason he hid it. Yeah, there is. And hasn't Rory learned anything from Penelope Lott? You don't have secret meetings with your ex-lovers. I I guess not. I think it's a Gilmore tradition of just hiding these clandestine meetings from your spouse. But neither of them want to keep separate. So Dean isn't gonna. And then she goes back to her car. And he goes back to, like, selling drugs or whatever he's doing in that alley. (laughs) He needs that townhouse. Yeah. I mean, the dude can't even afford a new jacket. Guys had the same jacket for four seasons. Back at Jason's, Lorelai and Jason are very drunk. It's pretty funny (laughs) because Jason is like, there is a bright side to this evening. And Lorelai's like, the moon? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's really funny. He says that he calmed Richard down, and Jason will work his magic and fix everything. He's going to go golfing with Richard soon, and Richard's always in a good mood when he golfs. Also, his plant died. Is that foreshadowing? The plant dying? Yeah. I don't know. It seemed symbolic, didn't it? It did. I also thought it was funny when Lorelai was like, your father was really terrific up until the end. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's like falling out of a plane. It's like really fun until that last little bit. <laughs> they're They're drunk and cute. I thought it was a fun scene. They were, I mean, obviously bummed, but, like, it was fun that they were drinking it off. Yeah. And they're excited that their relationship's out in the open. Yeah, they don't have to hide it anymore. Back at Emily and Richard's, Richard is on the patio, drinking, staring out in the darkness, probably wishing for the moon to return. Men like it dark. (laughs) When Emily asks if it's true that he put his pension up as collateral and wants to know if they're in trouble, he says it's all going to be okay. She's like, okay, so you like you talk to Jason, meaning like you and Jason work something out, and he's just like, it's gonna be okay. Drink your drink, woman. Upon second viewing, I think it's very intentional that he didn't answer her Jason question. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, upon first viewing, I was my like fourth viewing, so I knew. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that might not be something you catch on first viewing. I think the first viewing, I was like, he was just like, it has to, you know, not so much like, oh, I have a plan that I haven't revealed. It's mm-hmm. more like, well, it's gotta work. Don't worry. No, 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 Richard's uh, nasty. Yeah, he's being creative. The final shot of the episode has Richard golfing, but not with Jason. What? Hand back to see Floyd. They're doing that weird fucking not talking about business, talking about business thing. And finally he says, oh, it's time to drop the broad strokes. And then they state their new deal. Really exposition-y, but like it had to be. Yeah. Richard comes back to the company. They split their clients 50-50. The lawsuit is dropped. 
Richard becomes a hero at the firm, still in charge of his own company under the umbrella of the firm. And Jason is out. Swing golf clubs. Walk away happy. Ho, ho, hum. Men doing men stuff. Ooh, that's the boom. That's the boom. I know. There's like several booms. I don't know which is the boom. The ticks were in the bookshelf. You mean like the animal tick? Mm-hmm. Like that's funny. That's why Michelle didn't want to touch it. Right. Surprisingly, there was no boom in the shot. The boom was <laughs> the end. Yeah. This show is known for booms in the shot. Did you notice that the the golf camera work mirrored the other golf scene? No. You should check it out. It's kind of cool. The way it like comes into them golfing is, is the same way it is at the end. Oh, okay. The camera kind of floats in. I'll check that out. Before that, though, I'd love to know, do you think this is a good episode? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. I, the whole dinner sequence is great. Mm-hmm. The, the tension. Yep. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, so it wasn't as good upon this viewing, probably. But knowing that you didn't know was very fun for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I think the only flaw is, like, some of the egg stuff is a bit much. Yeah, and it's such a different tone. Yeah. It's, like, cartoony. But even within that, there's great jokes about the toupee. Yeah. And bad ones. And it's it's cute that Luke helped Kirk. Yeah. Because he saw him get, like, emasculated by Taylor. And yep. as much as Kirk annoys Luke, he also really hates Taylor. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was just really good. Yeah. Good drama. Good jokes. Some great, just, like, well-written scenes. I liked it. I thought it was a good one. Did you like it? Yes, I did. Almost as good as Buffy this week. <laughs> <laughs> what did you like about it? I mean, all the things you said. The, dra- the, the writing was so good. It's just good all around. Yeah. I, that scene at the end. I mean, all the scenes at the end, but the cigar scene just felt cool. And the anticipation of the whole dinner was good. Uh-huh. Seeing Emily in her element was really good. Mm-hmm. We hear about that, but it was nice to see her like, I don't know, she loves that, you know? Yeah. I don't, it sounds dimin- diminutive to say like, oh, that she's like being a businesswife. It's obviously like its own job. Yeah. I mean, she's, like, supporting her husband's business. There's probably so much she does that makes Richard who he is that he might not even realize. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I do think he realizes some of it. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Or maybe even just, like, takes for granted. Like, Emily does that. I don't need to worry about that. Yes. And he'd be a wreck. Total wreck without her. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I thought it was great. Great episode. Loved it. No notes. Okay, Brian. Did Gilmore win you over after seeing Where the Wild Things Are? Which episode do you think was better? Gilmore, obviously. Tick, 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 boom. Yeah, it is a pretty good Gilmore episode. Going up against a very much hated Buffy episode, it seems. Yeah. I didn't think it was awful. No, but it's not good. It didn't make a lot of sense, but I don't I don't know that these are... If that was my first Buffy episode, I, I would be like, yeah, I'm not into that. Yeah, that's probably fair. And this is uh, if this is your first Gilmore, you might be like, I don't know who these people yeah, are. Yeah, I'd be but, like, I'm confused. Who, what's going on? But I want to know more. It's funny, and there's some drama here. Yeah. I want to know more about this Michelle character. <laughs> All right, so that's decided? That's decided. Is Gilmore going to take the rest of the season? I don't know. But I, I don't think it's impossible here. I think there's a couple of really interesting things coming up in Buffy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know that any of them are like, I, you know, I actually really like the season finale of Buffy. We'll see. Okay. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls season four, episode 19, After Boom. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer season four, episode 19, New Moon Rising. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, I don't know, like, where are all the anvils? <laughs> Why does the wall make you come? What is that egg scene parodying? You guys know, seriously, what is going on there? Are you a businessman? Is this how you talk about your wives? Do you wish that Anya and Xander had somehow saved the day with their relationship? Do you think it was insane that Spike went to this party? Right? It's insane. 
It's insane. Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our two new Patreon subscribers, Michael Corona and Ashley Campson. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. You can also support us by buying wine through Wink.com. That link's also in our episode description and social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Our dinner is so done. I am so hungry right now. We have overcooked those potatoes by a mile. Yeah. It's so far away. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Go. Bye.